Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Didn't have to be this way. That's that's my thought. Listen, he was, and this is no disrespect to Saquon at all. He was never going to hold out. You know, we had talked about that on this podcast multiple times, and you asked me multiple times, are you sure? I know. Do you really? I wasn't, when, I do, when I wasn't a believer, but you were. When should we be concerned? And I kept saying, never. We're not going to be concerned because that's not who Saquon is. Welcome to the show. Ryan O'Leary here along with Dan Benton. It's the Giants Wire podcast, which is powered by the USA Today Network. Uh, Dan, we're officially into training camp now. The Giants, as we speak, are uh, in the middle of joint practices with the Lions. How the hell are you, my man? Doing good. Could be doing a little bit better, but doing pretty good. Uh, back to work, back on the podcast. It's uh, it's kind of amazing that it happened this quickly, really. feels like just yesterday we were doing a wrap-up, and then we were doing some draft stuff, and here we are. Football's just around the corner. Giants play this Friday, um, and then before you know it, it's going to be the regular season. We're going to be right back into the thick of things. I was uh, binging that Netflix series, Quarterback, and I was reliving that because uh, you know they're following Kirk Cousins in that show. And uh, re- reliving that playoff game where the Giants knocked off the Vikings in Minnesota, and uh, just to see how stunned he was, and the t- that team was after the Giants went in there and won, he was kind of. It did feel like that just happened. It just felt feels like the Giants just went into Minnesota and beat the Vikings for that playoff win. Uh, but now we're already back uh, in a new season, and uh, a lot has changed. There's there's new faces, new stuff going on with the team, but some things never changed, Dan, and that is. Daniel Jones being a lightning rod, right? And it, it yeah. the lightning rod was struck recently when USA Today's Art Stapleton asked DJ a pretty, you know, straightforward question. He asked DJ, are you an elite quarterback? And and DJ didn't deny it. Uh, he, I don't think he said anything crazy, Dan, in, in response. It wasn't like he made any big proclamations that he's the greatest quarterback in the NFL, but he didn't deny it. And, and people seem to feel a certain kind of way because... Daniel Jones was asked, are you an elite quarterback? And he didn't deny it. So this is the latest in the in the Daniel Jones lightning rod series, Dan. Is, and this is what has people fired up right now as we speak. I'm what a surprise, right? Like, you know, Daniel Jones said something that they don't agree with. So let's pile on. And like you said, he, he was kind of soft tone with it. He didn't like list himself as, as like, you know, in the Mahomes or anything class. But granted, that is the question that he was asking. He did say yes. And what struck me was how very similar to Eli Manning it was. You know, you think it back to, I believe it was 2007 before their Super Bowl run. Manning was asked if he, you know, if he thought he was in the Tom Brady class, the elite class by Michael Kay. And, yeah, and he said, yeah, I, I believe I'm in that class. And and Jones, you know, his answer was was very similar. He said, yes, you know, yes, I, I, I am confident in myself. And. I'm sort of surprised by the outrage, but not really. You know, it's kind of expected when it comes to Daniel Jones. Like people anticipate or want him to say something along the lines of "No, I'm a bottom tier quarterback." Like, what quarterback that you ask that question is going to answer that way? I don't care if you are a bottom tier quarterback in the NFL. You're not going to go in and answer that question and say, "No, I'm 
I'm garbage. I'm near the bottom of the league. The Giants just invested $160 million <laughs> into me. Joke's on them, you know? I think a lot of the backup of quarterbacks would be like, I'm an elite quarterback in this league. Just give me a chance. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. So there, it shouldn't come as any surprise that he he's competent in himself. What kind of winning quarterback throughout the history of the NFL isn't confident in themselves? Have you ever seen one? I don't know one. <laughs> I don't know any championship quarterback, any MVP quarterback that ever was like, boy, I can't believe I'm here. I didn't think I was that good. I don't think I'm that good. You know, no, of course, Daniel Jones is confident in himself. And why wouldn't he be? You know, he works harder than probably anybody in the league as his teammates are a testament to that. So I wasn't shocked by the by the response and and good for him for feeling that confidence. He should feel that way. If you don't feel that way, you shouldn't be playing quarterback for the New York Giants. That's exactly right. And I was fired up when I saw the headlines. Daniel Jones says he's an elite quarterback. I'm like, ooh, ooh, this is great. And I pull up Art's article, Dan. I'm all excited to read this. And really, it was it was less than that, right? The headlines make it sound worse than it really was. As you were saying, it was very Eli Manning esque. Where it wasn't like you know just this big thing. It was. He just didn't deny it. So Art asked him a question. Daniel Jones says, I'm very confident that I can play this game at a high level and lead this team to win a lot of games. Wow, Dan, that is just a hot take right there, huh? Uh, That's what (laughs) DJ says. And then Art follows up and says, is Daniel Jones an elite quarterback? So he poses that question. And Jones says, yeah, I'm very confident in myself. And for me, like just reading the article, you could read that in a couple different ways. You could read that like, yeah. I'm very confident in myself. Like I am one of the elite or you could say, or you could be like, yeah, pause. I'm very confident in myself (laughs) and do a non-answer. Like you could read that a million different ways. So if it's not for the headline, Dan, I don't think this would have been much of a story (laughs) because just reading that, it doesn't come across. Like it doesn't hit that hard. Right. It's funny though, because it was very, it was the same way with Eli when he answered, it was literally the same way with Eli. It was just kind of like a very non, just, yeah. You know, yeah, that was that yep, was Eli's yep. answer. That was Daniel Jones' answer. Obviously, that led to to huge things for Eli Manning, and and the media blow up after he said that actually fueled him. So you got to wonder now: is it going to have the same result with Daniel Jones? Is the media and fan blow up going to fuel him? Like, how dare people question that I'm one of the best quarterbacks in the league? You know, because he genuinely believes he is, just like Eli Manning genuinely believed that he was. And, you know, Manning went out and led his team to a Super Bowl. And I'm not saying that Daniel Jones is immediately going to do that. But I think if you're a Giants fan, you should be happy with his answer. You should be happy with the confidence. You don't want a quarterback that's in there that's unsure of himself, questioning himself, doesn't think that he belongs there, uh, because you're not going to yield any good results from that. So the fact that Daniel Jones is so confident in himself, you know, that's a good sign. That's where you want him to be, whether you agree with it or not. Yeah, I just I just find it really hilarious that people will hear will see Daniel Jones say, I'm very confident that I can play this game at a high level. And everyone's like, oh, how dare you, Daniel Jones? How dare you? You know, like that is but that is the lightning rod. That is Daniel Jones. Yeah, yeah, it it, it is. And it's it goes beyond Daniel Jones. It's just such a weird societal thing that, you know, you know, certain groups of people aren't allowed to have pride in who they are. and, And Daniel Jones as an NFL player obviously falls right squarely into that mold where. I don't know what people want him to say. The people who are so uh, taken aback by what he said, the fact that he's confident himself. Like, I'm curious to what those people <laughs> want him to say when he's directly asked that question. Like, if you don't feel that he's that question, that answer is warranted and he shouldn't have answered it that way. What do you think he should have said then? That, that would be my question. Yeah, Dan, in my own in my own personal life, whenever somebody gives me a compliment, I never say, oh, no, 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 that's not. I just say, oh, tell me more. You know, that's kind of how I am in my own life. So, uh, you know, I think 
now this story has, you know, of course, lit the lightning rod and everybody's answering the question for themselves. Is DJ among the NFL's elite? Most people are saying no way. Uh, but I think you kind of stole my take earlier, Dan, when you were just kind of talking about it, giving your commentary. The money talks, right? The money talks like you can go on and on and on about the, the stats and whatever and your argument on why he's not among the NFL's elite, but he is literally being paid among the NFL's elite, only 11 quarterbacks of the NFL average $40 million or above per year, and that's Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, Matt Stafford, and Daniel Jones. And there are guys that that list doesn't include that are still in their first contract, right? Like Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence and these guys. Uh, but of the names I just rattled off that are, are in that $40 million or above per year class with Jones, Dan, you probably heard a few names where you're like, I'd rather have Daniel Jones than that guy, right? Like, this is the money talks. You you didn't have to leave me there. I would have said that. Yeah, it's just like you don't get paid that kind of money for your second contract if you suck. Like, Teams aren't going to say, oh, well, we got to pay the quarterback 40 million a year. Like, you know, he's the quarterback we have. That's what that's what the market is. No, teams actually don't do that, Dan. If you suck, you don't get that second contract in that range. You get the Jimmy Garoppolo contract. So uh, the money tells you right there that he's one of the top 12, top 10 players, you know, quarterbacks in the NFL. And I actually believe that I do. I mean, maybe not right now, but that's not necessarily even what these contracts are given for. Like the contracts are never given for what you've done. They're always given for what the team believes you're going to do. So when you look at what happened with Daniel Jones, it's funny because, you know, leading up to that contract, everyone was like, Joe Shane, it's the best GM of all time. The Giants. The Giants got a steal. This guy is brilliant. He's a genius. He could do no wrong. And then he signs Daniel Jones and they're like, Joe Shane sucks. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, the, ex- the extremes are so crazy. But listen, you, you don't flip a switch like that. Joe Shane isn't brilliant for every other move that he makes and then an idiot for signing Daniel Jones. You either trust the guy and his football evaluations and the, this coaching staff and their evaluations and the scouts and their evaluations, or you don't. And when you look at Giants fans as a whole, the vast majority of them are completely on board with everything that this franchise has done since Joe Shane came on, with the, with the exceptions being, and we'll get to the other one, the Daniel Jones contract where it's a 50-50 split, and then, of course, the Saquon Barkley deal, which we'll touch on in a little while. For sure. Um, but again, you, you can't look at a GM and a coaching staff and a, and a front office and say they've been perfect with the exception of this one thing because I don't agree with it. You either have faith in them or you don't have faith in them. And frankly, I think it goes just even beyond that when it comes to Daniel Jones, because Joe Shane and Brian Dayball are not the first GM coach combo to come into New York and believe in Daniel Jones. And you could say whatever you want about those that came before him. But the universal truth is everybody who's come into that building since Daniel Jones was drafted from GMs to coaches to scouts right up to the ownership themselves have been fully in support of this kid and believe that he is a franchise quarterback who is capable of winning a Super Bowl for them. And no one knows better than that than those who have been in the building with him and seen what he does, seen how studious he is, seen how he works out, seen how he improves. You can't possibly say from the outside looking in that you know better than all of those people who have made a lifetime in the NFL. And that goes from John Mara to Steve Tisch to Dave Gettleman to Joe Judge to Joe Shane, to Brian Dayball, to Pat Schirmer, and everyone in between. So the guys who make their bread and butter doing this think this kid is it. 
And kudos to Jay Show, Jay, uh, Joe Shane for seeing that, trusting his instincts, not listening to the outside pressure and doing what he thought was best for the team. Yeah, I just tend to believe guys like Kafka, Dayball, and Shane that are around Jones all the time over guys like Chris Sims. And isn't Ryan Clark another big critic of Daniel Jones, right? Well, Chris Sims, rates. to his credit, has... He's, has he's come back. Yeah, he's come back along. Yeah. yeah, he's come around. But I just choose to to trust the Giants people that are with him all the time. <laughs> and, yeah. and, it's, and it's not like Daniel Jones didn't earn everything he's gotten. It's not like right. the Giants didn't put the ball squarely in his court for 2022, right? As Michael Scott well, would say, their balls the, were in the, his the court. Track, yeah. <laughs> the critics and detractors will tell you that it was Saquon Barkley who carried the load, but... Yeah, but I mean, Saquon, he probably we can, we can make that debate. Though, I don't think Saquon would have had the year he did without Jones having the rushing year that he did. You know, they, they were really a one two punch in the running game. Um, and people don't give DJ enough credit for what he did in the running game and how much he helped carry the offense in that regard. But yeah, I mean, it's not like the Giants said, oh, DJ, we're going to give you this boatload of money going into the 2022 season he had to earn it they declined his option if if the giants thought that dj would be a a 40 million aav player dan would they have declined his fifth year option i don't think so and joe shane has has come out and said he's like well i wish i would have picked up that fifth year option (laughs) seriously so he earned it he earned it he got paid because on the field working with kafka that first year working with dayball they saw him as the guy that was their guy and he was worth he could not risk losing him or losing control of the situation by using the franchise tag. Obviously, the Saquon Barkley situation plays into that a little bit, but could not risk losing control of the situation. They see him as their guy. Does that mean he's elite? It's all semantics at that point, right? But probably because they paid him like an elite quarterback. So, uh, yeah, you know, DJ, hopefully he is the the same player we saw last year. And I'm, I'm thinking, Dan, with some improved personnel because, again, he did it last year as a passer with a subpar a group of receivers. It's a little better this year, which we'll get into. Uh, but speaking of DJ and Art Stapleton, he called his performance in the joint practice with the Lions on day one, Dan, uneven in his report on NorthJersey.com. So that, um, that's kind. Yeah, okay. So, and I know you're you're feeling a certain kind of way about DJ and the reports coming out of not only DJ's performance but the offense as a whole against the Lions was unimpressive. There's no other way around it. Listen, they they came out hot and seven on sevens during the very first drill of the day, and then they fell completely apart after that. But, you know, two things can be true at the same time. They look terrible yesterday and it doesn't matter. It's, it's literally the first two hour right, joint practice right. on the afternoon of August 8th. Who cares? Who cares? Like, I understand that there's going to be coverage of it. There's even going to be coverage of it on giants, giants wire, because that's just the nature of the business. It's a 24 seven business. And the bottom line is the joint practice was ugly on both sides of the ball. It just was. So that's the reality of the day. But today is a new day. Tomorrow's a new day. Next week is a new day. Things change. Things evolve. Teams are going to play poorly in practice. They're going to have bad days. The bad day just happened to come against the first time they came, you know, first time they lined up against a different team. And it's not like the Lions are bad. Listen, they're an ascending team, too. And they were certainly more juiced up than the Giants were during the first joint practice. Uh, they treated it a little bit more seriously uh, than the Giants did. You could tell by some <laughs> of the hits Campbell. they were leveling on the Giants. <laughs> Dan Campbell was like, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna knock them right. in the mouth." Oh, it's like, okay, Dan, yeah. calm down. It's a it's a freaking right. practice. Exactly. They 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 went into it like a game, and the Giants went into it like a practice, and that showed on the field. So the Giants are gonna have to rebound. And listen, we're recording this before the second joint practice, so you know we won't know. Um, by the end of this recording, what exactly happened in that second joint practice. But I would expect the Giants and Daniel Jones and the rest of the offense and the rest of the team 
to come out and match the energy that they saw the day prior and and kick it up a notch knowing that you know their opponents are taking it a little bit more seriously than they were and and hopefully they do hopefully they come out and they perform well and that first you know poor day is is forgotten about because it should be it's it's not relevant right now uh it doesn't mean anything sometimes you know teams don't practice well on a particular day and that happened to fall on a day where they had a joint practice you know nobody wants to, you know everybody almost immediately forgets about and doesn't want to talk about the fact that the offense was completely dominant for the two weeks in training camp prior to that first joint practice. You know, again, because, you know, the argument is, well, they went up against a different team and that shows how far away they are. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's a scripted joint practice, the first one of the season. It doesn't mean anything. It means something on the day, and then you forget about it after that. You see where things go. Yes, they played poorly. doesn't matter. It doesn't. Yeah, and, it, and it's not like... DJ forgot how to f- throw a football. He had some, he missed some, uh, some deep balls, right? Some open deep yeah, balls, he did. Uh, missed some throws high, but the intermediate stuff, uh, he wrote about how he was hitting Waller. He was hitting Jalen Hyatt who made it, some nice plays out there. So it's and not it like it was, horrible. Too. Like, yeah, like, uh, sure. listen, if we're going to talk about it, it wasn't just Jones that struggled, you know, everybody struggled. Darius Slayton had a drop on a tough catch and, you know, maybe, or maybe not what, you know, was his fault, you know, Saquon Barkley, Mr. Mr. More than a running back had a pretty bad open field drop. So again, it wasn't just one player. DJ, of course, you said, you know, he's the lightning rod. He's going to get the attention, but defensively, offensively, it was just, it was ugly on both sides of the ball. Yeah. And, and, you know, when 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 DJ sucks at a practice, we're going to talk about it. It's going to be a headline, and yeah. we're going to do it again during the season. So it's fine. And so the the offense sucked in in the first day. We're, hopefully, they're a little bit better here uh, today. I guess as we're speaking here on Wednesday for day two of this um, this joint practice in Detroit. But you mentioned uh, Saquon; he's back. Uh, I think overall, Dan, he's looked pretty good, and he looks like he's in excellent shape. Right? Uh, oh, yeah, That's we haven't the best shape of his life. Yeah, we haven't. Yeah, I know. It, it, he does. Like, he looks it. He looks great. Um, yeah. In terms of Saquon being back on this kind of revised, I guess, rev, rev, revised franchise tag, you could say, right? It's not like he made out of all these negotiations. He took it all the way to the start of training camp. Uh, he said on this podcast what the Money Talks podcast he's or Money Matters. I'm sorry. That podcast, he said he was actually considering sitting out games in 2023. We, we both didn't think that would happen, Dan, but he said at least he nope. thought about it. Uh, so it shows you how real these negotiations never, was, were. Yeah, it was never going to happen. Yeah, I agree. But he gets this one-year deal that's basically, it basically gets him a little signing bonus and a chance to earn a little bit more money and incentives, but he didn't really get much more out of this franchise tag, right? He's he's basically playing on the tag. He basically, uh, he basically took it on the chin here in these negotiations, but he's back. What's your thoughts on this? We haven't talked since Saquon uh, rejoined the team. Didn't have to be this way. That's that's my thought. Listen, he was, and this is no disrespect to Saquon at all. He was never going to hold out. You know, we had talked about that on this podcast multiple times, and you asked me multiple times, "Are you sure?" I know do you really. I wasn't. When, I did, I wasn't a believer, be, but you were. When should we be concerned? And I kept saying, "Never. We're not going to be concerned because that's not who Saquon is." And true to form, that turned out to be not who Saquon is. Like, you love the guy because he is who he is. He loves the game of football. He loves his teammates. He was never going to throw them under the bus, even though, you know, he said on the Money Matters podcast, well, the the headline from the Money Matters podcast was that he could say F his teammates and skip the whole season. Of course, later on in that interview, he said that's not something he would ever right. do. But much like Daniel Jones saying, yes, I'm confident in myself, the headlines are what matters in the end. And they kind of got skewed there. As a great as line, though. Saquon great line from said. Saquon, you know. Yeah. It, it was, hey, listen, it was great for page views. 
There's no there's no doubt about it. We always appreciate the content. Yes. Right. Yeah. It was great to sell newspapers, but it wasn't the full context of what he said. And the bottom line is, if you know Saquon, you've paid attention to Saquon. He he was never going to hold out. It was never going to be a thing. I didn't necessarily think he would be there on the first day of training camp, but I wasn't ultimately surprised that he was. He's a team first guy throughout the entire quote unquote holdout. He was still working out and doing things with his teammates away from the field and and, and, you know, readying himself for the season and all that effort that he put in, he wasn't going to waste that over a few dollars. There was just no way that was going to happen. So I'm not surprised. What I am surprised by is that, you know, he, you know, agreed to that revised franchise tag, which ultimately amounts to nothing, really. Right. There's, you know, a little bit as far as incentives go that are tied heavily to whether or not the team wins games. Um, not necessarily even what he does specifically. Um, there are some in there, obviously, but more more along the lines of getting to the playoffs and um, didn't really do him any favors because they didn't agree to anything that would preclude the Giants from franchising, ta- uh, placing the franchise tag on him again next season, which is what I assume will happen if they can't get a long term deal done. I do think they'll negotiate again. But what, what it all really boils down to in, in my mind is that his agency, his, his representation they went into the offseason completely overvaluing the running back market. And listen, you could argue about that all day long. The reality is what it is. And you could say that it shouldn't be that way and owners are colluding and GMs are colluding and blah, blah, blah. Save that for a different podcast. The bottom line is, is they went in, they overvalued the running back market by leaps and bounds. The Giants went offered above market value still for Saquon. They rejected multiple deals that were above market value. Some that would have had him be in the top two or three highest paid running backs in the league, which he's still close to, if not in that room as it is right now with the added incentives. Uh, But it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't have been a number one contract, but Saquon himself said he wasn't trying to reset the market. So some of those deals are something they should have accepted. They didn't. That ultimately cost Saquon a significant ton of money. Um, in the, in the long run, because he has signed essentially what is the franchise tag anyway. Um, so you, you, they basically cost them anywhere between two and $4 million a year, plus several years on top of that with a long-term contract with guaranteed money. Maybe it wasn't the kind of guaranteed money they were looking for, but if he goes out and gets hurt this season, knock on wood, he doesn't, but if he does, he's not going to get a long-term deal probably ever again. Um, so the risk really wasn't worth the reward there because they didn't get the reward in the end anyway. So I, I place a lot of the blame and I'm sure he won't necessarily agree with it because he's a loyal guy, loyal to his representation, but I feel like his reps, his agent really failed him tremendously. They cost him years. They cost him dollars. They put him in a situation where it's a tremendous gamble now, and they didn't even negotiate the giants into a corner saying they couldn't franchise tag him again next year. So you know, it was just a lose-lose all around for Saquon, and and that's the result of his representation and not him himself. Yeah, no, and and that's that's a really interesting take. And when you look at, we know we know that Barkley's camp in the Giants once once they got into the summer were very far um, on each side. It's not like they met in the middle. I mean, he got he got less than a million more than that franchise tag. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's a one-year deal worth up to eleven million. And you said uh, in your in your commentary there, Dan, that. They didn't write anything in about the franchise tag again, so that's definitely on the table, and the Giants will probably use that to their advantage, and then we'll be back in this uh, this vicious cycle of Saquon Barkley being pissed about the franchise tag and then yeah. being nowhere as close on a contract because, it, I mean, now he'd, he'd have another year of uh, tread on those tires, and, you know, 
will he duplicate last year? It's certainly possible, but you never know. That's it's it's hard to predict what's going to happen this season. Uh, but I don't know. I have this weird gut feeling, and shoot me down if you. I mean, again, you usually put me in my place, Dan, and this is the time to do it right here on the show. I have this gut feeling, and I know it's not in writing, but I have this gut feeling that Saquon's not impressed with how this these negotiations went. I know he's a pro. I know he's going to act and perform like he does, and everything's going to be fine this year, and he's going to be fine with his coaches, fine with Joe Shane, all that. But I just have this weird thing that there's this like wink, wink, nod, nod. I know it wasn't in the contract, but I have this feeling that he was he was told, just sign the contract, Saquon. Let's go win a Super Bowl this year, and we're not going to franchise tag you again. Uh, now, this happens. Like Tom Brady, when he left the Patriots, you know, I'm a Patriots fan, Dan. When Tom Brady left the Patriots, they didn't write it. They didn't put it in writing. Robert Kraft gave him gave him his word, I believe. We're not going to franchise tag you, and that ultimately led to Brady leaving for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Patriots getting nothing for Tom Brady. Which again, great great job, Pats. Great job, Bill Belichick getting nothing for Tom Brady when he left. That was that was a great move. But it's kind of similar. I know they're completely different situations, but Brady was looking for the Drew Brees contract. The Patriots thought he was too old and not worth it, and he ended up leaving for the Buccaneers. Saquon Barkley, he wants the Derek, I guess, you know, does he want the Derrick Henry contract? Maybe he wants something in that ballpark. The Giants don't think that position in the, you know, whatever, the long-range plans at that position not worth it, so they're butting heads, right? I just this gut feeling of mine, no, I have this is coming out of nowhere but my gut. I have a feeling there's a wink, wink, nod, nod that he's not going to be franchise tagged in. And this is Saquon's swan song year with the Giants. That is just purely. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. A gut feeling. Now you can shoot me down if you want. Well, I mean, it's a good story. Just not reality. <laughs> it's just... It's Sounds just like I live in that I live in that kind of realm anyway, Dan, so it's perfect. <laughs> I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I, listen, I think if there was any kind of agreement... To, to Listen, Brian Dable and Joe Shane are one thing specifically, and that's transparent. We've talked about that last year. We talked about it earlier this offseason. They are remarkably transparent in how they do business um, and what they want and what they see and what they do. And if there was some sort of, you know, some sort of secret handshake agreement that they wouldn't franchise tag them again, they would just they would just wrote it in, wrote it into the to the alter altered version of the franchise contract. There's no reason why they wouldn't have done that, especially if that was one of the things that's what facilitated the deal getting done in the first place. Um, Shane has already said, you know, that he's aware that he could back to back franchise tag Barkley. Um, ideally, that wouldn't. You know, that's something they wouldn't have ever had to do in the first place had they had they gotten a long term contract done. Now, um, I do think they're going to run into problems when it comes to negotiations again, because like you said, Saquon's going to have an additional year of tread on his tires. And the reality is, is the running back career is shorter than any other career in the NFL as it is anyway. And Saquon's sort of flirting with what would be the end for most running backs at this point. I don't think he's done. I definitely don't think he's done. But what team out there, assuming he did hit free agency, is going to offer him a deal that was larger than what the Giants offered in this offseason? And I don't think there is one. 
especially when you, like I said, when you add a year to the tread on his tires, you add a year of wear and tear. He's one year older. There's no one on the free agent market that's going to eclipse the deal that they already, the Giants had already offered him and they already rejected. The Giants themselves aren't going to offer him the same deal that they offered him this offseason for that exact reason. So Saquon and his agency are going to have to go into next offseason with the realization that they're probably going to get franchise tagged and they may get an offer. And it's going to be the last opportunity for Saquon to make the most amount of money possible. And whatever amount of money that is, is whatever is going to be the, the Giants offer. So whatever long-term contract it is, whether it's three years, four years, five, five years, is certainly not going to be five years. Um, but whatever the contract offer is, they're going to have to try and squeeze as much as they can out of the Giants and then just take whatever that final offer is. Because that's going to be the last bit of security that Barkley's probably ever going to have in his career. And again, that will come after the franchise tag. Ideally, you know, that doesn't happen. They get something done before then. Uh, but even if the, you know, the Giants, for whatever reason, in whatever world, in whatever universe, parallel universe, did just allow him to walk when they had the opportunity to control his contract, there is going to be no NFL team that offers him what he's looking for what they re- or what they rejected this offseason. It's just the nature of the game. And again, we can argue night and day about whether or not that's fair to running backs and what their true value is. The bottom line is, is that they're an off-injured group of players whose window and shelf life in the NFL is exceptionally short compared to everybody else's. And that makes teams cautious, and we've seen that this offseason. There are still good running backs, arguably even great running backs on the free agent market right now yep. that aren't getting offered so much as a one-year deal. Isn't Josh Jacobs still in the middle of a holdout in Vegas? Yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah, think he's signed at this point. Yeah. There. Yeah. And that's just the nature of, of, of that particular position in the NFL right now. So I, I said it before, I'll say it again, shame on, on Saquon's reps for not taking what would have been a great deal. He's not going to get it again. And I hope it's something that they keep in mind next year, whether Giants franchise tag him or not. Uh, I, again, I think they will. I don't think that you know his career with the Giants is headed towards its end. I understand that he probably feels pretty sour right now, and I completely understand. I will never knock any player anywhere for trying to get the maximum amount of money that they possibly can. I think every single player in the NFL should do that. Shoot for the stars. Take as much as you possibly can from the team. I fully support that. But I understand why the Giants and Joe Shane wouldn't push it any farther than they did. And I'll understand next year when they do the same. This time it's going to be up to Saquon and his reps to take the best deal possible. He wants to end his career with the Giants. The Giants want him to end his career with the Giants. So they just need to make it happen. they got to they got to bring it down a notch and do what's best for the player because this year they didn't do that. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think I'm just rooting for – I'm rooting for Saquon, right? Because, again, it just – you root for the player. I mean, he literally – he duplicates that 2018 rookie season, right? Basically, you know, 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns. He didn't turn the ball over. He was just a, a force. He was healthy. Played 16 games, right, Dan, in the regular season. Mm-hmm. He does it, and he can't. He has to fight tooth and nail to get less than a million more than the franchise tag. For one year. One year. Sucks, sucks to be a running back. It does. Really it does, does suck. So they I, didn't have to be. They didn't have to fight that fight, though. They didn't have to do that. There yep. was a better offer there, and like I said, they, they should have taken it. And I understand that they, they felt that that was a little low then, but look what they ended up getting. Yeah. They got one year and barely $11 million, not even guaranteed. Not good. You know, there's those incentives that are team-based really more than, more than player-based. So, you know, there's a strong chance that he's only got to get that 10.1 million and that falls well short of what he would have gotten if yep. they would have just taken that deal. Well, I agree with you. I think Saquon is a little sour, but he's a pro and I, I don't think it's going to affect anything 
with how he plays this year. I think he's going to be uh, not at all. Uh, yeah, I think he's going to be excellent. And then if he gets franchised again next off season, then uh, we'll get the popcorn and get on here and talk about it, Dan, because it's going to be. It'll yeah. that'll be that'll be a thing. Uh, that'll be for, a thing. for Saquon's sake. I really hope it goes differently next Same. time. I hope I hope he stays healthy this season. I hope he plays well. Listen, I hope he gets every penny of that altered franchise tag. I really genuinely do. And then I hope he gets playoff bonuses and Super Bowl bonuses because he deserves it. I hope he gets a ton uh, of sponsorships and, and deals like that this year. I hope he makes as much money as he possibly can, goes in the next season, takes the biggest offer the Giants offer him, and he lives out his Giants career and everybody's happy in the end. Well, I think as Saquon even said on that on that Money Matters podcast, it's not like he's having a hard time putting food on the table. I mean, he's no. like, you know, ultimately, we're talking about... <laughs> You know, well, sure a drop in the bucket here, sure and we're trying to win right. Super Bowls. Well, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure it's not easy when he's looking around the team and like Dexter Lawrence, yeah, and, and Daniel Jones are landing these oh. just oh, I feel massive, for yeah, massive deals. It kind of sucks that he has to, you know, settle for something that you know he really shouldn't have had to settle for. But you know, that's the business side of the NFL. Yep. Sometimes it's not fair. Sometimes it sucks. And for Saquon this year, it it definitely sucked. Yep, it it did. Uh, but we know Joe Shane. He's no. He's no picnic at that negotiating table. We know no. that he's he's tough, and he won this he won this negotiation with Saquon Barkley and his representation. There's no no doubt about that. We'll see what happens right. next. Shane, though, he he definitely, in terms of like talent evaluation, him and his you know the the guys that he works with on the team, the talent talent evaluators on the team, Dan, within the organization, they could do some nice things, uh, in on like nice short order cheap finds you know we we talked a lot about the isaiah hodgins pickup last year in season definitely a home run and he's going to be a huge part of the offense this year uh they may have knocked another one out of the park here in the sixth round of this past draft uh they picked another old dominion player we love our old dominion players with the new york giants right uh and uh well we have one one other one right jimenez is another one from old dominion i have that right right yeah. Okay. Great. We I don't think to... there's. I actually think there's one more that. I can oh, there's two. Either current or former that I can't. I can't think okay. of at the moment. All right. Well, since I got that right and I sound smart, I'm not going to cut that out of the podcast, <laughs> Dan. When I edit, uh, but they drafted another old Dominion guy in corner, Trey Hawkins the third. Seems like he's been one of the stars of training camp, Dan. He's been. He's listen. He showed out. There's no other way around it. He's played so well that the Giants at times have started him. Uh, next to Banks, another rookie, the first round rookie, and moved uh, you know Dory Jackson into the slot a little bit. So. You know, he's certainly provided Wink Martindale some interesting options, uh, some versatility. He could play multiple cornerback positions. He's physical. He's talented. When they drafted him, his athletic profile, I talked about it on this podcast, was off the charts. One of the most athletic cornerbacks to ever come out of the NFL draft. Um, the thought was that maybe he just needed a little bit more development, a little bit more consistency. But sometimes those players that have that athletic profile and just need that development, they just they fall right in the laps of the perfect system, the perfect coaches. And it looks like that's exactly what happened for Hawkins. So the Giants very well may get a starting quarterback in the sixth round as a rookie who may not only just be a starter, but very talented one at that. So in terms of who's he pushing, Dan, uh, is he pushing, you know, Cordell Flott for, you know, those kind of reps? Is he pushing Deontay Banks? Like, like just kind of fill me in on that. Well, well, again, it's it's all about his versatility. He could play at any of the positions, so he's really kind of pushing everybody, even Adoree Jackson, if you think about it, because if he plays well enough to play on the outside, that's going to move Adoree Jackson either at times or full-time um, into the slot. So, 
you know, you, you could basically look up and down the depth chart at cornerback and say he's pushing all of those guys. I think all of them are pushing each other, though, ultimately, because all, all of the spots, Adore Jackson's guaranteed one spot and then everything else is open after that. So, um, but, you know, given, you know, the injury history with Aaron Robinson, Radarius Williams, some of the other depth issues they have, you know, Nick McLeod playing a little bit more safety, um, you know, there's not a lot that the Giants have behind those top three, that that being Hawkins, Banks, and Jackson. Um, so I think when you go into the season, those are the three guys you're kind of looking at that are going to start one way or another, or at least play a significant role. Obviously, there's Darnay Holmes and Cordell Flott, who they like, in, you know, at the nickel position. Um, but again, it, it all depends on where Hawkins ends up and how things shake out. I think all of them are going to play you know, some level of a significant role. Uh, it's a spread offensive league. So you're going to see, you know, four or five cornerbacks out there at a time anyway, uh, you know, four cornerbacks, two safeties, whatever, whatever mix it may be. So he, he's certainly going to play, you know, a large role for the giants one way or another, especially if he keeps playing, you know, as well as he's played in training camp and keeps developing and keeps improving day by day. But again, I think you're going to see Jackson, you're going to see banks, you're going to see Flot, you're going to see Hawkins. You're going to see a lot of those guys, Darnay Holmes, you know, unfortunately for him, because he's really putting a lot of work the last two years, but he may be a bit on the roster bubble just when it comes to a numbers game, which again, we'll talk about here in a moment when it comes to needing extra wide receivers potentially. But as far as Hawkins, you know, I think he's pushing a little bit of everybody and that's a good thing because some of the guys deeper down the depth chart need to get a little fire lit under their rear end, get going. Yeah, there you go. There's uh, that's that's one of the positions to watch in camp uh, for sure in this preseason. Now, I guess we're breaking camp soon, right? We're in the preseason mode at this point, but uh, yeah, really a ton of competition at corner. Um, but, but there's the position to watch, and the one that I've been honing in on, I know we all have, is wide receiver. And and Jalen Hyatt's been, you know, everything I'm hearing at a camp from Jalen Hyatt seems like it's all good news with him. Dan, he's heavily involved. He sounds like he stays after with Daniel Jones catching passes. He's, you know, he has, it doesn't seem like he's had anything off the field or anything, no injuries. Nothing has really hindered him. He seems like he's on a pretty good trajectory right now. That's, that's good for a third round pick. Uh, I, you know, it caught my attention that he said he wants to win offensive rookie of the year, right? He said that uh, to the media. Again, not, not a huge, crazy comment for a, a guy being confident. We like to hear that out of our football players. I don't think, Dayball loved it, right? He kind of downplayed those comments when he was asked about it by the media. But uh, does that hint at all about what Hyatt sees his role being in the offense, right? I mean, we don't really know. There's a lot of different receivers and a lot of different ways the Giants could go here in terms of the final 53 day and the practice squad and who's out there in, in the game plans, right? But if Jalen Hyatt's telling the media, I, I want to win offensive rookie of the year, doesn't that mean that he thinks his role is going to be enough where he's getting enough looks and reps and targets <laughs> to potentially have a chance to win offensive rookie of the year. That's how my brain works. I'm like, Ooh, Jalen yeah. Hyatt might be telling us he's leaving us a trail of breadcrumbs, Dan, that he's going to be very heavily involved here. <laughs> well, I don't think he knows the answer to that question yet. I don't think he <laughs> you think he's just a rookie spitballing, question yet, but yeah. Dayball's really a day by day kind of guy. So he doesn't want to look down the line like that. And you know, good thing. You know, it's a good thing for a head coach. Sounds but I understand why Hyatt said it. Really, look at he's feeling himself, and he should be. You know, he he entered the draft with all these questions about whether or not he could run routes, and the Cowboys wide receiver coach telling him basically that he's just a straight line guy who can't do anything else. So he came in with a chip on his shoulder. He dropped down to the third round, which is you know not the projection that many had on him. You know, they thought he was a first or second round pick. Very few had him falling into the third round. So 
You know, I'm sure he was a little sour about that. You know, and you know, when the Giants took him, he one of the very first things he said is, "I'm going to make sure that I show my appreciation to the Giants." Uh, for drafting me here and when you know 31 other teams passed on me i'm going to prove them right i'm going to prove you know these these doubters and these critics wrong and there were many there were many after the draft that came out creeping out from whatever rock they were hiding under talking about how he's immature he's unintelligent he can't run routes all he's got a speed and he's not even really that fast and listen this guy has dispelled every single one of those criticisms so far through camp He's professional with the media. He's professional with the fans. He's great with his teammates. He's studious. He's he's in the weight room constantly. He's working out. He's doing extra sessions, like you said, with Daniel Jones. He's flashing on the field. He's obviously displaying that he can run whatever route he's told. I'm sure there are some in the route tree that they haven't worked with um, as much as others. But not only that, he's burning you know every defensive back and linebacker down the field. He's getting you know two plus yards of separation with every single deep route he runs. It seems. Um, hasn't had any issues with drops that we've seen or, or read about. Um, he's just done everything right. And he's looked like every bit of the first round pedigree that people thought he was going to be leading up to the draft and not necessarily all the criticism that came leaking out after the draft. So I think he's out to prove a lot of people wrong. Um, I think that's really heavily motivating him and he should be feeling himself given the way he's played over the first two plus weeks of training camp, because he stepped onto an NFL field and he's blazing past NFL caliber caliber starters on a regular basis. So why not think that you can go out and win offensive rookie of the year? Good for him. Maybe he can. He's certainly got the talent to do it. Yep. I, I love uh I love the confidence there. It sounds like Hyatt, Paris Campbell, the you know, the big free agent pickup the Giants have, they've both been standouts, mm-hmm. right? Standouts in camp. Good signs there. We know guys like Isaiah Hodgins, Darius Slayton, definitely locks to be on the team. Uh, so nothing really to see there, but we've talked about the competition at wide receiver, how there are too many good players and not enough spots for them, Dan. Uh, we, we heard that Wandale Robinson is actually going to be on his way back. We actually were we, we were thinking he would start the year on the pup list, right? Coming back from the yeah. injury it, to it, open it, up a roster yeah, spot, but it sounds like he's right. coming back. <laughs> yeah, uh, Joe Shane says he could be back next week. Like I said, we're recording this podcast on on Wednesday. So whether or not that means Monday or later in the week, either way. Uh, his return is definitely coming a lot sooner than anybody anticipated. And, and that kind of just adds to the numbers mess that's, that's happening at wide receiver right now. Yeah. So, okay. So now you, you throw Robinson into the mix. So it feels like there's going to be a name that you don't want to hear uh, get cut. And I, I'm trying to figure out who that's going to be. Uh, one name now in our pre-show stuff, Dan, you shot this down, but I threw Sterling Shepard out there. I said, it could he be on the bubble coming back from that ACL? And you shot it down pretty quickly, but it seems like he's kind of redundant with Cole Beasley, and it seems like Cole Beasley has had a decent camp, and he's got a rapport with Brian Dayball from their time in Buffalo, and I just, uh, I don't know, uh, Cole Beasley is, he would be an, an easy one to let go of if Shep is healthy, uh, but Sterling Shepard, Cole Beasley, Jamison Crowder, <laughs> there's a lot of like redundant roles here, you know, guys that play the kind of the same role, uh, and there's not going to be enough room for all of them. I, I look at a guy like Colin Johnson, who was... He, he was a camp standout last year before he got hurt, right, Dan? And then he's been another, he's had another great camp, and he kind of brings something different, a little bit, a bigger body, more physical. Uh, so he's not, you know, he's he's kind of a different brand of receiver. It'd be tough to see a guy like Colin Johnson get cut. I don't think he'd last on the practice squad long. So who who's going to be the name that we don't want to hear that that, end, that that does not end up on the final 53? You know, you know what I mean, Dan? Like, there are too many names here. 
Hyatt, Shepard, Beasley, Crowder, Colin Johnson, Wando Robinson coming back in the mix. There's so many names here. And how many receivers are you really going to carry? Uh, so this yeah. continues to be a story. It's going to be a tough decision for the Giants. There's no doubt about it. Like uh, we just did a, a 53-man roster prediction, obviously way early, but you know that's that's the name of the game. And uh, we had them carrying seven, and I wasn't even sure I felt comfortable with that. I, I thought maybe a little, they, maybe most teams don't want to carry eight wide receivers. That is an abundance of wide receivers, but the Giants actually have so much talent. And listen, it's not like superstar talent, but they have enough quality NFL talent that one or two, maybe even three good wide receivers are going to have to get cut. And that's just the name of the game um, right now because of, you know, the depth they added. And that, you know, includes Cole Beasley, who was recently added, who obviously Brian Dayball likes and trusts. And there's, you know, a history with the system. And even though, you know, he has never really worked with Mike Kafka before, there's a lot of familiar terminology um, in this offense that he was able to pick up quickly. And he's a very specific position, you know, receiver, uh, you know, he's kind of a role-playing guy, but he, he he fills his role well. He's a veteran presence that, presence that can have a good impact on the other receivers. So he's kind of a guy you don't want to see a cut, but I could see him on the outside. Um, not sure why they'd bring him in, though, necessarily, if they, if they thought they were going to just turn around and cut him in a couple weeks. Uh, Jamison Crowder is kind of tough because he does play such a significant special teams role. He's really good in that role. He's also a quality wide receiver. I feel like he's often underrated. Um like you said, Colin Johnson, he's a big body, you know, kind of different uh, from what the Giants have elsewhere up and down their roster and their depth chart at wide receiver. And then, of course, you have Sterling Shepard. I don't I don't really view him as a bubble guy. I just don't. Um, they love him in the organization. They're already planning a role for him after he retires. I can't imagine them letting him letting him go to another team. They kept him around last year because of his leadership, because of what he means to his teammates. There was a reason for that. There's a reason they re-signed him despite he's coming him coming off back-to-back injuries. And then you've seen it so far in training camp and either even during the first joint practice when everybody else, you know, was playing poorly. Sterling Shepard was out there putting guys on ice skates and, and just, you know, cutting the turf with, with some of the best routes that you'll ever see. I mean, and he is to this day by far the Giants' best route runner. So I can't envision a scenario where they give up on their most veteran leadership presence at the position who has the best rapport with Daniel Jones and runs the best routes on the team. I just don't, I don't see a scenario in which they're like, well, forget that. We're going to take someone like Jamison Crowder or Cole Beasley instead. And that's no disrespect to those two veterans. They're, they're obviously talented players too, but when it comes down to the numbers game, you're not going to give all of that up for somebody else. I, you know, because the only knock against Shepard is, is, oh, well, he might get hurt again. Well, he might not get hurt again too. So you don't want to give up on what's your best wide receiver on the team. So I don't see him going, but, th- but that's what makes it so tough. The Giants may have to cut down at other positions where they otherwise wouldn't want to, where they'd want to carry an extra body in order to fit some of these wide receivers onto the 53-man roster, assuming that no one gets hurt. That, of course, is unlikely. You know, that's just the nature of football. Someone somewhere down the line is going to get hurt, and maybe it clears up one of these spots for them where they can carry the seven wide receivers and then someone else on injured reserve initially, and maybe they somebody else get hurt and they can bring the other guy back and, you know, all those semantics. But, you know, like you said, there's going to be some tough cuts I don't know who it's going to be, but even beyond just the names that we talked about, there's undrafted rookie free agent Bryce Ford Wheaton, who is a supreme talent, very athletic. He obviously needs to develop and and create some consistency, but much like 
Trey Hawkins, who we talked about earlier, his athletic profile is off the charts. It's very unique. One of the most unique coming out of the NFL draft ever. Um, even as an undrafted guy, it's just, it's not a talent you, you kind of want to give up on. I don't think you can make the 53 man roster, but you run the risk of losing him if you put him on the practice squad. The same applies to Colin Johnson, like you said, and some of the other guys on this team. But, you know, some of the, the really deep depth guys like Khalil Pimbleton, uh, Jaden Mickens, who was who signed this offseason, uh, David Sills, even though he's a good friend of Daniel Jones, they, they seem like extreme long shots right now. Uh, given the numbers game here and and however many you know wide receivers the Giants choose to to carry whether it's six seven or eight I have it at seven right now could very well be eight um, but it's a good problem for the Giants to have and it's certainly an improvement over last year where they were stringing together street free agents to finish the season um, so yeah like I said it's a good it's a good problem for them to have and it does stink that there's going to be one two maybe three really decent good talented NFL starting capable players that are going to be cut. Yeah, for sure. Because if you're going to carry seven or more, um, you got to make room elsewhere, right? So, do you, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Do you carry two quarterbacks? Um, do you, you know, which which you know teams do? Uh, that's not unheard of I now. Think, yeah, and I think the Giants will. I yeah. think they're going to carry two quarterbacks, but I also think they're going to have to trim down at other positions. Um, you know, maybe running maybe back, cornerback, maybe safety. Or, you know, initially we have them carrying five safeties. Maybe that's maybe that's too much. Maybe they. Uh, you know, risk putting rookie Javarius Owens on the practice squad and hoping that he sticks there. They carry four. That gives them an opportunity to carry an additional, you know, wide receiver. But they may also want to carry an additional inside linebacker because they're they're mighty thin at that position too. So, right, right. yeah, there's there's some difficult decisions that are going to have to be made. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, but again, it's good to have uh, a lot of options. Uh, you know, pass catching options for Daniel Jones. We haven't really even mentioned Darren Waller yet. Uh, right. And it sounds like in terms of the camp standouts, the rapport between Jones and Waller seems like it's uh, it's heading in the right direction. Now, we know day one with the Lions, that joint practice, it didn't look as great as it, maybe it did against their own guys. But still, all the reports I'm seeing in the videos I'm seeing on social media, Dan, it looks like Waller is big, fast, strong, athletic, and just kind of profiles as a type of receiver the Giants have not had in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I don't know. Feels like Darren Waller. If you can get him a little bit more of at a discount price in your fantasy football drafts, I think he's the guy I would go for. I think he he's going to lead the Giants in catches this year. I think. Oh yeah. If he stays healthy, he's going to have a big year. Yeah. No doubt about it. Yep. And to his credit, he's you know he's made a lot of lifestyle changes and he's working hard to stay on the field. But you know, and it's funny the Raiders said they they wanted to to give up on him before it was too late rather than you know give up on him too. They'd rather give up on him too early rather than too late. And they definitely gave up on him too early because if, you, if you've watched him, if you've seen any highlights, if you've seen him play during any of the open practices, this is the kind of talent the Giants haven't had in a very, very long time. He's, a, he's kind of like a Jeremy Shockey level wide receiver talent, although Shockey may be you know, a little bit better of a blocker than, than Darren Waller is. But you know, he, he is a very clear mismatch. You can't cover him with a tight end. You're just... It's just not going to happen. Nope. So you're going to have to pull in a safety to cover him. That opens up things for someone like Jalen Hyatt. Uh, so, yeah, he, he's a mismatch nightmare. It's it's hugely beneficial to Daniel Jones and the Giants offense. And and listen, any time they get him lined up on a even a safety or, or a linebacker, they're going to go to him. He's going to make plays for this team. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to see how uh, Dave all deploys all this talent on the Giants. This a uh, new look offense, Dan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and football's right around the corner, my man. Yeah. 
Right around I the wouldn't corner. Sleep on, I wouldn't sleep on Daniel Bellinger either. I, I really wouldn't, even with the presence of Darren Waller. Yeah. Giants ran a lot of two tight end last year. And, and Daniel Bellinger, although he's really more renowned for his blocking, he is an improving pass catcher. And he, he's a guy that's going to benefit from Darren Waller's presence too. He may not put up huge numbers, but he's certainly going to get his opportunities. Daniel Jones trusts him. And, you know, he, he's capable of making some big plays too. And they got Lawrence Cager. I don't know if they're going to carry a third tight end. Again, it all comes down to the numbers game, but – Lawrence Cagers, he's another really good sneaky tight end who can who can step in there and make some plays. So the Giants, they do. They've got a lot of options as far as the receivers go, even receivers out of the backfield. Um, you know, this should be a totally new look offense. The first joint practice with the Detroit Lions be damned. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and I do love Bellinger, too. A good little tough player. Um, mm-hmm. So anything else on your stuck in your craw, Dan? You want to get off your chest about the Giants uh, or, or you feel good? I mean, it felt, felt like... Me, it's felt like I had the training wheels back on because it's been a little <laughs> while since we've recorded, and I had to like kick off the the rust a little bit this this episode. But uh, but there's still there's always stuff to talk about with this team. Absolutely, no doubt about it. The Giants, you know, and the NFL is a twenty four seven business, but the Giants are a true twenty four seven business. There's always <laughs> something going on. There's a million topics we couldn't even fit into this conversation, like right. uh, offensive line, you know, just off the top of my head. Yeah, the offensive line. We were going to talk about the running backs. Couldn't talk about them right now. Just. The, you know, Eric Gray, Gary, Gary Brightwell, what they're going to do in terms of the number game there. James Robinson been added. It is a, there's a lot going on in Giants land. We'll break it down more in the future. And, you know, hopefully the next time we're back on here next week, we'll be talking about how the Giants had a good second joint practice with the Detroit Lions. <laughs> exactly. And, and then their depth went out and then their depth went out and played well on a Friday night. And we can forget all about that little hiccup, but uh, there's a lot for Giants fans to be excited about. This team should improve offensively. Uh, quite significantly they should improve defensively against the run significantly it, it's sort of the, the the secondary again and they're lacking depth in the secondary and they're lacking depth at inside linebacker that's uh the remaining concern and then we'll see how they address that if at all and how that plays out this season it's great to be back on here dan talking giants with you and when we do get to and you know folks if you don't see the podcast popping up every single week here in august don't don't worry because once we get to september the first week of the season we'll be back weekly doing the show for the fourth season, Dan. Fourth season of the yeah. Giants Wire Pod. Can you believe that? We're in year four. It happened fast. Yeah. <laughs> that, happened, that did happen fast. Uh, so yeah, yeah year did. four year four of the podcast. Um, so always appreciate the conversations, Dan, and the camaraderie and you know all the people that have been listening. You know, For four years, we've been doing this and uh, the Giants are, they've gotten a little bit more interesting each season. So uh, and now I think we're at the, we're at peak interest in Giants, right? Yeah. This is going to be a fun season. So it, it's certainly certainly a lot more fun than when we were doing these podcasts <laughs> when Joe Judge was there. Oh my God! Well, those were fun for a different reason, but it was yeah. just so negative. It was just everything was negative, which I kind of enjoy sometimes. I, I like I like coming in with the critic the criticism and being a little negative, but I like with being the, on the in, other side of the, that. <laughs> the Joe Judge years, it took it to another level. Um, so, but yeah, so for Dan Vett and I'm Ryan O'Leary. We appreciate you all for. Stick it with us and hop it on board for the show. We'll talk to you again next week. And then uh, looking forward to year four of the podcast. Can't wait to get it going. Talk to you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.
just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.